Today we meet in Psalm chapter 42 to chapter 43. And this is actually an introduction to the Exodus section of the Psalms. Psalm 42 to 72 comprise the Exodus section. As in the book of Exodus, we will see God's people in a strange land, a suffering people away from the land of the promise. The heel of a dictator is on them. You hear them groan and mourn. You hear the whip of the taxmaster falling upon them. They are in great trouble, which increases rather than decreases. Finally, Israel cries and groans, and God hears them, and the Lord arises on behalf of his suffering people. He makes good of his covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then the Lord delivers them out of the land of Egypt. For example, in the first seven Psalms, which is 42 to 48, we find conditions as they were at the beginning of the book of Exodus. But these Psalms do not refer to the past. They look to the future and they reveal the experiences of the remnant of Israel in the days that lie ahead. We will see God's chosen people away from Jerusalem. They are separated from the holy place and out of touch with the Lord God Jehovah, just as they were in Egypt. Also in the Genesis and Exodus section of the Psalms, there is an interesting contrast of the names of God. In Genesis section, the name Jehovah occurs 272 times, while the name Elohim occurs only 15 times. Now, in the Exodus section, the name Elohim occurs 164 times, and the name Jehovah occurs only 30 times. What is the significance of this? Well, these two personal names of God have different meanings. Elohim speaks of the fullness of God's divine power. And the name Jehovah is involved in the redemption. Jehovah is the one who keeps Israel. We will find that David did not write as many of the Psalms even in this Exodus section as he did in the Genesis section. David wrote 19 of the Psalms, and seven of them were written by the sons of Korah, who were connected with the Levitical family. All of the Psalms in this division are a prophetic picture of Israel, especially in the last days. In Psalms 42 to 44, we see the children of Israel in Egypt with Pharaoh ruling over them. Psalm 43 mentions the Antichrist, and Israel is mourning because of the oppression of the enemy. We find them crying out to God to deliver them, and deliverance comes to them. Psalm 45 is the great millennial psalm which speaks of the Lord Jesus coming to reign on the earth. Something important for God's people to see is that the primary and fundamental interpretation of these psalms is applicable mainly to the nation of Israel. They look to the future during the time of the trouble called the Great Tribulation. 
Therefore, we need to be careful when we lift out a vase from one of these Psalms to ask the question, how does it really apply to us? We can apply many of the Psalms to our needs today. God's children who are in trouble can find real solace and comfort from these Psalms. But we must never forget that their primary application is to Israel. I think it is a terrible thing to exclude Israel from the plan and the purpose of God for the future as many people do today. Let us keep in mind that when the psalmist speaks of Israel, he is not referring to the whole nation of Israel for the entire nation is not in view here. We see this distinction also in the word church. Is the church made up of all the names of people on the membership rolls in every congregation, regardless of their denomination? I do not think so. The church is made up of a body of believers who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. You don't become a member of the true church by joining a visible church and having your name put on a church roll or by going through a ceremony of some kind. Only a personal relationship with Christ can make you a member of the true church. We should always make a distinction between the organized church and what is generally called the invisible church. The remnant of the nation of Israel is not the entire nation, just as all members of the organized church do not make up the invisible church or body of believers. It is the believing remnant of Israel that we will be looking at in this Exodus section of the books of Psalms. Now let's come to Psalm chapter 42. Here we see the heart cry of the God-fearing remnant. Psalm 42 presents the future suffering of the godly remnant during the Great Tribulation period. When Israel was in the land of Egypt, in Exodus chapter 12, God first redeemed them by blood. The blood of the Passover lamb was sprinkled on the doorpost of the houses by those who believed God. At night, the death angel passed over the homes, and if blood was there, no one died. This was redemption by blood. The second phase of redemption was at the Red Sea, and there it was redemption by power. Now, the inscription of this Psalm 42 is to the chief musician a contemplation of the sons of Korah. This is a Psalm of teaching and a Psalm of understanding. You may recall that Korah led a rebellion during the period of Israel's wandering in the wilderness. God excluded him because of his rebellion against the authority of Moses and Aaron. But his sons were spared. God made it very clear, especially in Numbers chapter 26 verse 9 to verse 11, that his sons did not die in God's judgment, but they continued their service before God. They are the ones who wrote these first few psalms of the Exodus section, which is quite a wonderful section of the word of God. Prophetically, this gives us a picture of the Great Tribulation period. Psalm 42, verse 1 to verse 2. As the deer pants for the water brooks, 
So pains my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, rather than going back to Egypt, I want to apply this to the future because there will be a time when these people, the Israelites, will be out of their land again. There are several excellent Bible expositors who believe that the present regathering of the Jews in the land of Israel may actually eventuate in their dispersion again, that they will be put out of the land, perhaps in our own time. The godly remnant is not in the land today. There are two groups in the land of Israel right now. One group we call the Orthodox Jews who are waiting for their Messiah, expecting him to come and wanting to rebuild the temple. The other group is not concerned with the religious matters at all. They contend that a new era has begun. They have Egypt, the Arabs, and the United Nations to deal with. They have nothing to do with the nation Israel. Now, the godly remnant of Israel, God's people, have a longing for God, as all God's people do throughout the ages. Now, they picture David. I think David could easily have said these words, hiding in a cave overlooking a valley. He could have heard hunters and the barking of the dogs, and in a few minutes, a rustle in the bushes. David's men on guard duty became alert. There is a little spring near the opening of the cave, and soon a little deer, foaming at the mouth, his sides lathered, plunges his head into the water and takes a good deep drink. He waits a moment, listening, then he takes another drink. Therefore, the psalmist could say, As the deer pains for the water brooks, so pains my soul for you, O God. Is that the way you feel about God, my friend? There are those who claim that if you become very legalistic and keep the Ten Commandments, you are pleasing God. My friend, man is alienated from God. He needs more than the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments show us that we are sinners and we are in rebellion against God. We have no desire or capacity for him. We need, therefore, to be born again. We need to be brought into the family of God and to the place where we can say, not just as a verse in scripture, but from deep down our hearts, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Now, this will be especially meaningful to the remnant of Israel, but it is meaningful to us right now, to many of God's children. Psalm 42 verse 3 says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? You see, there was much weeping in the brickyards of Egypt and will be actually in the future. This will be the town during the great tribulation period. Where is your God? They will mock. They will ridicule them. Actually, when they are saying that, they are asking, when is the Messiah coming? Psalm 42 verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. 
Now here he rebukes himself for his despondency and encourages himself to trust in God. This is what the son of Korah is doing, rebuking himself for not putting his hope in God. Psalm 42, verse 6 and verse 7 say, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mesa, deep calls unto deep. At the noise of your waterfalls, all your waves and billows have gone over me. Now, we are told here of the heights of Hermon. It actually refers to the mountain range northeast of the Sea of Galilee, of which Mount Hermon is the most imposing peak there. The hill Misa refers to one of the lesser peaks, but is no longer identifiable. Then you have the statement, deep calls unto deep. This is the language Jonah actually used in his prayer. In Jonah chapter 2 verse 3, he said, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surround me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. You see, Jonah went down into the jaws of death. During the great tribulation period, Israel will think that destruction is upon them, but God will deliver them. Psalm 42, verse 8 and verse 9. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of my enemies. <laughs> do you feel like this sometimes? I'm sure that many of us do. I actually experience moments when I feel I have been just left alone. My enemies are having an upper hand over me. Psalm 42 verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. You see, the psalmist here in his desperate hour, he turns to God. In their desperate hours, the remnant Israel will turn to God. There will be no help from the east, the west, north, or the south. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And that is the admonition. That is what will happen and even now, applying this psalm to our very situation and life, help does not come from any of the directions. Our help comes from the Lord. Even when we are feeling low, even when we are feeling cast down, put your hope in God. And sometimes it takes commanding your soul, put your hope in God. Psalm 43 is closely connected with Psalm 42. The godly remnant calls on God to act in their behalf. Psalm 43 verse 1. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. This is the remnant of Israel speaking. The Antichrist is a liar. He will make a covenant with these people and then will break it in the midst of the week. When this happens, they cry 
their cry will be, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. I don't know if you have ever prayed this prayer or not, but I have. Oh God, don't let the dictator rule over us. Don't let uh, people who are not true to their word have a strong say over our lives. You see, there is a grave danger of that kind of a situation. We need to ask Christ to deliver us from deceitful and unjust people. I certainly don't want such a person to rule over my life or any other nation in Africa or anywhere in the whole world. Psalm 43 verse 3 says, Oh, send out your light and send your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Now, Send out your light and your truth. That is a wonderful statement. What is the psalmist praying for here? Well, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 8 verse 12. He also said in John 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. These statements of the Lord Jesus Christ were not lost on his hearers. But if they knew he was the light and the truth, they would also know he was the Messiah who had come to deliver them. So we hear, let me bring them to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Let me bring them to your tabernacle. Now, the psalmist wants to worship in the temple and to be brought back to God. What a wonderful thing that will be when Israel will actually ask to be brought back to God, to the holy hill of God, and to worship him in his temple. Psalm 43 verse 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. You will realize that in chapter 42, this very statement was repeated twice. And now we have the same statement in Psalm chapter 43. This is why I said they are connected. You see, the remnant's prayers will be answered and their long-expected Messiah will return. Your salvation, your deliverance will always come when you turn to God. Even when you are feeling cast down, put your hope in God. And as it will be when the Messiah will return, you see, at that time, Ezekiel's prophecy will be fulfilled. It is a prophecy that comes from Ezekiel 36, verse 26 to verse 28. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. This is a wonderful 
expectation for the children of Israel, but it is also a true wonderful expectation for God's children who live today when they put their hope in God. And in fact, God says, I will put out of you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I remember that this scripture is what even spoke to me personally the day I gave my life to the Lord. I had envisioned myself and evaluated my life, seeing that I carried within me a heart of stone. Thank God that he gave me a heart of flesh, a heart that responded even to his word. I am glad I trusted Jesus and I, I, I'm glad I took him. He is my savior. He is my rock. And to him, I run when I am in trouble. And to him, I turn. He is both my resource and my recourse. He can be yours too, my friend. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org